On the anniversary of the tragic Sonoma County wildfires, Jerry and I have been inspired to create something positive for you to listen to. People doing good. In your neighborhood. We are here for our first episode of People Doing Good. In your neighborhood. And we're joined by Jack Piccinini, former Santa Rosa Fire Chief. He's now retired, but at the time of the Santa Rosa fires, he was serving as the interim chief for Rincon Valley and Windsor. So welcome, Jack. And you brought a couple of people with you that we really want to get to know. I did, yes. Thank you. I um, um, And I'm happy to, on the anniversary of the Tubbs fire, um, talk about uh, how that felt emotionally and physically and uh, to us. And then um, I invited... Um, Battalion Chief Mark Bass from the Santa Rosa Fire Department and Captain Jason Novak of uh, Cal Fire. Um, and I invited them specifically because I think they have a very interesting story to tell in terms of some of the challenges that the firefighters were faced with um, while, um, you know, competing against the idea of having to fight the fire, but instead having to rescue people. And there were a lot of rescue efforts that were made by a lot of firefighters and CHP officers and sheriff's office deputies and so forth. Um, but I, I felt Mark Basque and Jason Novak have a very interesting story uh, to share. And so I specifically invited them. Okay. Well, we're excited to hear their stories. Maybe we can start with Mark. Sure. Um, my name's, again, I'm Mark Basque. I'm a battalion chief with the Santa Rosa Fire Department. Um, the night of the Tubbs fire, I was off, off duty. Um, I knew that fire weather was increasingly critical, so I was listening to the radio at home. Um, I saw a lot, heard a lot of um, small activity going on uh, countywide. Um, what really struck struck me was listening to Cal Fire's ECC, the dispatcher on duty, made a, a broadcast, an overhead announcement. Um, to any listening CAL FIRE unit um, that's available in the Ranger unit, <clears throat> which encompasses Sonoma, Lake, Napa, Solano, and Calusa counties, um, start moving towards Napa County for multiple starts, uh, multiple fire starts. Um, nothing really huge was going on in, in Sonoma County, just, again, a lot of small stuff. Um, what I did notice was that responses all over the county Typically, when you get a battalion chief response, weren't getting one. So I, <clears throat> I decided to call our dispatch center, make myself available from home. I live up in Hillsburg. Um, they said, yeah, can you come to the, the dispatch center? And this is probably about 10, 30, 11 o'clock at night. I kind of lost track of time. Um, I hadn't even left my driveway. And Redcom, our dispatch center, um, dispatched a vegetation fire along Highway 101 near Shiloh Road in, in uh in the Windsor area, and they were dispatching a battalion chief from Petaluma um, and one from Goldridge. Um, he came in as two fires. I told him I'm going to be driving right by that. Um, cancel those guys. I'll take it. You know, I got there. There's a couple acres burning. Didn't have a lot of potential, um, but it was really, really windy, and uh, fire was sheeting, you know, in very short grass across both lanes of 101. Um, some fire engines arrived, a battalion chief from uh, Windsor arrived, um, we spoke, we kind of got things lined off, lined out, and then I went on my way. Um, I was still intent on going to our dispatch center. Um, 
made it down the road a couple miles, and I heard a battalion chief from Cal Fire, who was the incident commander for the Tubbs Fire, um, make a call for um, two chief officers and 10 engines to head up to um, Petrified Forest Road and Franz Valley School Road, which is just a little bit west of the city of Calistoga. Our dispatch center, you know, acknowledged his call for help, uh, but said, you know, we're starting to thin out. We'll see what we can do. I was right there at River Road in 101, offered myself up, and away I went. So I headed up towards Calistoga. Um, I really had no idea as I was driving up there how bad um, things were or how bad they were going to get. Um, took me about 20 minutes to get up there. Um, no one around. It was chaotic. Lots of radio traffic. Made my way down Franz Valley School Road and, um, you know, big, big fire, huge winds, crown, um, timber fire, um, no resources. Um, I ran into an engine from Mountain Fire Department. Um, I talked to those guys. Um, they weren't working for anybody. Ran into a battalion chief from Goldridge, um, Shepley Shrothgary. Um, he'd been assigned a branch with no resources. Uh, so we just kind of said, made a plan. It's, we're not getting any help right away. Let's, let's start evacuating. So we started moving back up towards the <laughs> Mountain Home Ranch Road area. Um, those guys took off ahead of me. Um, I hit some roads and driveways off Petrified Forest Road. Eventually made my way up to Mountain Home Ranch. Um, encountered a lot of people at the where Mountain Home Ranch ties into Petrified Forest. Stopped and talked to them. Um, I asked if everybody was accounted for. Um, they had two people missing. They gave me their names, their addresses, um, and away I went. Um, still by myself. Um, got in past a, uh, an area called Triple S Resort. It's about a mile in. And everything was fine up until there. Um, once I got past Triple S, um, you know, the fire front um, had moved through. Everything was on fire. And I ran into Shepley. Um, Trothcarry from Goldridge coming out. So we stop and we're talking, and a car comes moving at a high rate of speed from behind him, and he was kind of surprised because he'd just been back in there. So I pulled forward to talk to these folks, and there are three young people in, inside, um, all of them burned. Um, talked to them real briefly, yelled over at Shepley and said, hey, I got some burn victims here. Um, let's get them out of here. And the driver literally got out of his car, ran up to my buggy and said, I can't leave me. Um, they'd left somebody behind. Um, and I, I, you know, I questioned, you left somebody behind? <laughs> so he gave me some directions on how to, you know, find this person. Um, gave me a name. Um, and I, off I went. You know, Shepley took the three folks out, um, led them out, and uh, they followed him to some medical care. About half, I went in about another half mile, and the fire was a little bit worse. Um, you know, I went to the area this fella described to me, and I just got on my PA and started calling this person's name because I, I really didn't want to drive and in some cases couldn't drive down the driveways. Um, propane tanks were venting across the road, and trees are down, you know, the whole nine yards. I think I called three or four times. Didn't hear anything, and literally I was getting ready to move on to the next road, and I heard somebody screaming for help. I said, I'll be darn, I found this guy. So 
I didn't want to drive in. I, I ran down, um, found this guy in the only unburned patch um, in the property. He's down on the ground. Um, he told me he had a broken ankle. He had burns on his hands. Um, I was like, all right. So I tried to get him up, and I'm 6'2", and he was a whole head above me. And trying to be his crutch to drive about a, walk about 100 yards up to my buggy or my vehicle. And uh, he stepped on his ankle, and down we went. So, all right, hang tight. Ran up, got my rig, was able to back in. Um, but then I lost him in the smoke. Oh, and so... So I'm yelling at him. I said, "You got I said, I need you to scream so I can, so I don't run you over. Um, so after some trial and error, got him in the rig um, and moving out. We get up to the top of the driveway and he goes, hey, can we check my neighbor's house? I said, sure. Um, are you okay? You know, can you wait? And he goes, yep. And uh, so he got me into some, an area that I, I would have never found on my own. Um, we went trucking down the con- Conditions were the same. Everything was on fire. Propane tanks are venting. And lo and behold, roll up, and there's seven people in a swimming pool. Um, one of them, an 85-year-old woman um, who was teetering on hypothermia from being in the pool for a while. Um, so um, I grabbed three folks, as many as I could fit in my vehicle. Um, promised those folks I'd be right back. Um, got up to a high I was down in a hole, um, so I couldn't radio for help. Um, got up to a high point, radioed um, Shepley, um, what I had and that I needed help. Um, started heading back out. Um, I met Shepley um, on the way back in. Said, I can't give you directions to get back in there, but just keep creeping um, from the direction that I came, and I'll catch up to you. Went and dropped the, three, the four people I had in my rig off. Turned around, came back, and then we got the rest of the people out. Um, five of the folks, you know, that we encountered had injuries of various types. And, uh, so yeah, we got, you know, between myself and Shepley and, a, another cow fire, um, I'm not sure what rank he was, but he was in a utility. Um, we got all the folks from the pools out. Um, so made it up to the intersection of petrified forest and, uh, Mountain Home Ranch again, and um, the incident commander, um, Battalion Chief Gino de Graffenried, finally caught up to me, um, figured out where I was, called me out or called uh, Shepley on the radio, said, is Basque up there? Said, yep. Um, he needs to head back to Santa Rosa. The fire's hitting Santa Rosa. And in my head, I'm going, no way. You know, it just can't be. So I took off, um, heading back to, to, to the city. Um, I came up Mark West Springs Road. It was fine. I didn't think I was up up in Nath County that long. Uh, so I'm going to go back the same way I came. Um, I got down below Mark West Springs. Well, as soon as I got on Petrified Forest, um, I could see the fire up high just a glow. Um, didn't think anything of it. Kept going, kept going. Got down below Mark West Lodge. I couldn't tell you how far. And it went from okay to not good in a hurry um fire on both sides of the road um got hung up in power lines trees down things like that um, i encountered some kind of bizarre stuff you know, come, came around a corner there's a full dress harley motorcycle just parked in the middle of the road you know stopped looking for people and there's nobody around 
So they either hiked out, ran out, or somebody ahead of me had picked them up. Um, a little bit further down the road, um, ran into a, a car crash where a sedan had gone underneath the SUV. Uh, the SUV was fully involved with fire. The sedan wasn't burning yet. Um, all the airbags were deployed. You know, check that real quick. There's no people. Um, so kept going. And the further uh, further west I went, the closer I got to Santa Rosa, the worse it got. And, uh, you know, eventually I got down to the Reebley Road, uh, Mark West Springs Road area, and it was really bad um, fire-wise. Um, you'd ha I would have to stop because I couldn't see. Um, inside and outside corners, you know, huge flame lakes were... It was not passable. You'd have to wait for a little bit to scoot on through. Try not to get hung up in power lines. Finally made my way down to the flats, and then it was even worse in the flats as you got down towards, um, it's not really school, one of the grammar schools down there. Um, zero visibility. I, I stopped, cleared up. I was on the wrong side of the road across the, you know, the fog line, about ready to drive off the road. Literally, literally had to get on the, the center line dots um, to get down to Old Red and, and Mark West Springs Road. Um, made it through, big sigh of relief. Um, got on the radio trying to figure out where the incident command post um, was. They told me Kmart. So I said, all right, so headed southbound on Old Red, um, where I encountered conditions that were as bad or, or worse than what I'd just come through. Um, and again, I'm just in a state of shock as to how bad this fire is. I have a question for you. Sure. Um, at any point at, during this process, you weren't expecting to encounter the chaos when you when you got out on the roads. Did you take a moment to call your family? Um, Did you have a chance I, I to? Did you it, think about it? Yeah. There's no cell service up there. That was it. That okay. Was it. I did have a thought, you know, yeah. it's like my wife's going to be pissed yeah. um, <laughs> and um, less than flattering things are going to be written about me in an after action review because it, it wasn't the best decision to make um, to continue down the path um, that I did, um, certainly by myself. Wow. Um, you know, nobody knew where it was, Yeah. And, uh, but you know, I, I got lucky and, and made it through there um, unscathed mm -hmm. um, and again, Coming from Franz Valley School Road, you know, on the, kind of the front end of the fire, and, and I knew it was moving. Mm -hmm. um, I had no idea um, how bad it was until I got back into the into the city, and I really um, recognized how bad it was when I figured I couldn't go southbound on Old Red down towards Cardinal Newman. Um, turned around and I went out River Road, and I got up on that overpass, and all six lanes of 101 are packed bumper to bumper traffic, all headed northbound. Northbound lanes are chucked full of cars. Southbound lanes are chucked full of cars. Everybody headed north. So um, I ended up in the in Coffee Park, um, kind of at the northwest end of the fire. Um, I got a hold of the on-duty battalion chief, um, battalion chief Matt Dahl. He was indicating he was going to try and draw the line at, at Coffee Lane. Um, I was west of Coffee Lane, and the fire had already crossed, and it was still chunking away through neighborhoods in the Windrose neighborhood, 
Dennis Lane, Vermillion, Cherry, I can't remember. There's a bunch of them. Brandy Lane. Um, got in contact with uh, another Cal Fire Battalion Chief, Marshal Turbeville. Um, him and I met, kind of put together a plan if we could score some resources. And uh, you know, I, I was probably in there by myself for you know, Cop Park, uh, better than an hour, um, waiting for some engines uh, to arrive. Uh, and actually the first, I think the first engine to arrive was Captain Novak's engine, 1483. Um, while I was waiting in Coffee Park, a lady came out and she was less than happy with my performance because um, I wasn't putting the fire out. And she let me know. And I told her, I said, you need to leave. You know, get your family and uh, gather your belongings and get out. And I assumed she was going to pay attention to that direction. Um, and she didn't. And as soon as Captain Novak and his rig arrived, I turned around and I saw the same woman wheeling people out of the house in wheelchairs. I didn't know it was a residential care facility. And uh, so uh, Captain Novak and his crew um, went in and, and evacuated a, a small residential care facility you know, by themselves to get them out as the fire's bumping up against the house. Wow. So um, again, I think Mark did a wonderful job kind of describing, first of all, um, very courageous act and one that many of our public safety responders were confronted with that night. And he touched on, um, you know, a couple of events that Jason was involved in. I thought before we maybe went any further, though, now I'm maybe kind of recapture what the night felt like. Mm -hmm. I think Mark did a really nice job kind of highlighting that. But just to let the listeners know that... Um, you know, as, that, as the early phases of the tub fire were occurring, um, as Mark kind of indicated, there was a lot of other things going on because of this unprecedented wind event. There were, um, the tub fire started at about 9.55 p.m., and in addition to that, um, the um, Atlas Peak Fire in Napa County started right behind it. There were eight very large fires in Sonoma County, Mendocino County, um, between the hours of uh, 10.30 and 11.45. And in addition to that, there were numerous small fires that were beginning to occur, like Mark described the, the fire on Shiloh Road and Highway 101. There was a multiple-alarm structure fire in Santa Rosa. There was a multiple-alarm um, smaller vegetation fire, grass fire, um, in Montgomery Village area of Santa Rosa, or the Rincon Valley area of Santa Rosa. And um, all of those fires in themselves were enough to basically um, uh, capacitate the, the resources that we normally have available. And in addition to that, this fire um, was moving faster than any fire that we have ever experienced in this area. And we just simply did not know the fire was going to travel as fast as it did. The 1964 fire, which this fire followed the same footprint, 1964 fire took over one day to follow that same footprint and come into Santa Rosa versus this year, the Tubbs fire only taking a few hours to get into Santa Rosa. In addition to that, the, there were only 150 buildings in 1964 in that same fire footprint versus the thousands of buildings that were in the footprint on this fire. And um, besides, you know, 
the power failures, the inability to get messages out to our citizens uh, for evacuations. Um, it was, uh, again, lots of challenges. Every little piece of this fire has a different story to tell. And one of which I would like to say is that uh, besides the fact that these winds were sustained 80 miles an hour, which was confirmed by raw stations, remote weather access stations, with gusts of 100 miles an hour, um, you can just by that imagine the um, magnitude of fire that was being driven by this wind event. And in addition to that, the Mark West Springs Road that Mark described as he was coming down, uh, we have no doubt that the wind aligned with that Mark West Springs Road drainage and um, probably traveled as fast as any fire could have down that drainage. This is why most of the fatalities occurred in that Mark West Springs drainage. Um, and then Coffee Park, there we, our firefighters witnessed fire tornadoes. We refer to them as fire whirls. But these were of such significance that they um, blew um, a garage door into one of our engines, taking out the windshield. It flipped over cars. It, you know, again, um, the weather or wind conditions associated with, it, with this fire uh, were scary even for the most experienced. Now, what happened was, or the, I think that this, one of the reasons this is such an important note to make is that our firefighters were charging up into the hills to go to try to fight that fire and save homes. And unfortunately, because of the conditions, because of the, the, um, the fact that, um, you know, people were um, just surprised by the fire um, and we were not able to effectively evacu evacuate everybody, our firefighters found themselves, like Mark described, going up Mark West Springs Road and into other, other areas of the fire only to find themselves needing to help with evacuation or, in fact, rescue um, folks and then come back out of the area and then go back up. And so firefighting itself was very, very challenging because the resources, initial resources, were committed to rescues. And I think this might be a good segue for us to hear from Jason, who was one of those that went up Mark West Springs Road and was confronted with just such a rescue. <clears throat> Thanks, Chief. Um, first, uh, let me say thank you to you guys for uh, having us on the show. Um, I do uh, I do think this is a, a very important um, uh, to share these stories, um, and that was actually brought to light to me from uh, uh, Chief Piccinini here. When he first uh, asked me to come up here on the show, um, I was not um, I wasn't too forthcoming with coming out with uh, and telling the story. Um, and uh, he made a comment to me. Uh, I could feel him through the phone, put his hands around my neck and shake me a little bit <laughs> and tell me, you need uh, to share the story because people do want to hear it. So I want to state uh, the stories that uh, we tell, they're not, um, they're not to make us look at, hey, look at, look at us, look what we're doing, you know. We're the heroes. Um, that's not the message that I, I definitely want to uh, send out there because I'm not into that. But uh, it was Sunday, and I was off duty. And um, <clears throat> just like Chief Bass said, um, it's uh, it's in our blood, and, and uh, we pay attention to the weather, and the day was windy. And um, you can't help but think um, 
Well, um, you know, hopefully there's no fires and, and this wind is, is, is pretty erratic. And so throughout the day, I kind of, you know, noted that and paid attention to it. And then um, it was about 930. Uh, I was going on duty the, the following day. And uh, I was about to lay down and um, get some rest. And um, as I climbed into bed, um, uh, my uh, my phone went off um, for a local paging system that we have within the department. And uh, it showed a um, you know vegetation fire in the area. And uh, my wife, of course, looks at me like, uh, "Don't you dare! <laughs> You're gonna get some sleep tonight." But um, I did. I turned on the uh, turned on the radio just because I wanted to know, you know, what uh, what what's going to happen with this you know fire. Um, and as I turned it on, um, you know, Chief Bass t- touched on it, but I've been uh, I've been doing this uh, career for almost twenty years, and I have never heard a, our command center, our dispatch center, do an all call and um, request any and all units to um, to leave if they don't have anything going to respond to an area. And they said to respond in Napa County. And when I heard that on the radio, I honestly, uh, I couldn't even believe it. I It just was, it's not the way that we normally do business. You know, we're very, very systematic and controlled these engines will go here. And so um <clears throat> actually called my called my fire station and uh, uh one of my engineers was on that day and uh I said, "Hey Brandon, what uh what is going on?" And he goes, "I, I don't know. I don't know, Kappa, but I guess we're going to head to Napa County." <laughs> and I said, "You're not going anywhere. You just hang on a minute. I got to figure this thing out. This is this is crazy talk, right?" So I hung up real quick and called up uh, Battalion Chief Gino de Graffenried. And when he picked up the phone, he said, I need help. That was it. And I've known Gino for years. That's what he said. I need help. And uh, I said, where are you? I'm on my way. That's it. Called back to the station. And I... uh, Told my engineer, we're going to head towards Tubbs, Tubbs Lane, and uh, you're going to swing by the house and pick me up. So he drove the engine um, with uh, two other firefighters um, to my house. They pulled up, and I remember, you know, uh, my two kids, They, uh, my daughter was helping me load my gear on the engine as quick as possible. Had all my gear in the garage and she's, she's running it from the garage over to me and I'm grabbing it and I'm putting it in a compartment and next is my son. He's got my helmet and I'm putting it in there. And, uh, it was just like, uh, it was a quick moment where I didn't really, at the time, I just didn't get to take time to, uh, you know, say, I love you and everything. And I was out the door. Right. And we were gone. And uh, I think I gave them all a quick kiss, kissed my wife, and uh, that was it. So on the way to just our, just our journey to the fire, it was incredible. The wind was pushing so hard. We're going down um, this windy road, 128 Alexander Valley. And 
we had to stop multiple times because the road was just blocked with trees. I mean, I, we didn't have any time anymore of pulling out the chainsaw and cutting the tree and getting through it. It, it. it ended up that I had a chain on the front bumper and we would just jump out and grab the tree and wrap the chain around and then throw the engine in reverse and pull the tree out of the way and then onto the next one. And um, I just, I, you know, when, when we're out out in front and there are limbs falling right next to us, I'm thinking to myself, okay, <laughs> I can't go out like this, a limb of a tree. <laughs> okay, no, this isn't happening. I haven't even made it to the fire yet. <clears throat> and um, we pushed and there, there were power lines down and um, uh, there were branches were hitting the engine, you know, as we're going through. So we finally, we get to, um, we get to where uh, Chief DeGraff and Reed is. And um, the fire uh, is... You can't see the head of it at, as of right now. It's already up and over a hill. And he, uh, I stop and I, I, I meet with him and I look at him and he's doing a, a great job with what he can. And uh, he looked at me and, and uh, I just nodded. And I said, uh, I'm going to go and get out in front of this thing. And um, we got to save as many lives as we can. We got to evacuate as many people as we can. This thing is moving. At the time, there's no way did I think that this is going to Santa Rosa. Mm -mm. Um, so we headed headed back, and I came across um, Franz Valley. We were going to make our way that way. I didn't go up and over Mark West. I went Franz Valley, came back, and uh, one of the quick tasks was real simple. This oak tree, uh, the size of a pickup truck, fell across the road, and there was a line of cars on the other side of the oak tree, and they're uh, people are outside, and um, um, they're trying to evacuate the area. And uh, absolutely, can I? I don't have a saw big enough to cut this oak tree, and it's not happening. So we quick, quickly cut a fence and basically routed them out and around the tree into a, into someone's field, and um, they left the area. And that was just a quick little down and dirty. Let's start getting people out, and here they come. They're coming out on a, a windy road, and. Of course, we're trying to get in, and there's a lot of, uh, um, you know, stomping on the brakes. Uh, and my, my driver, uh, Brandon Piercy, did an absolutely amazing, an amazing job that night. Um, so we're coming into, um, we're coming now into where it would be um, the um, um, Safari West. <coughs> And uh, I remember I was on the corner right there and looking up, and uh, it was coming up and over the hill quickly. And I was I was happy that I ended up taking that roundabout and I got out in front. And now now it's time that we're going to go and start evacuating. So as we rolled uh, through uh, Mark West itself, I was I was just literally picking driveways or picking streets, and we'd go up, and it was just uh, making a ruckus in the. Um, in the driveway itself, uh, the the speakers the speakers are, are, are cranked up with the siren and the air horn, and we're jumping out and we're just doing a lot of uh, knocking on doors and you know um, we continue doing this and it it actually it it really started uh, taking quite a bit of time and we didn't realize uh, how quickly that fire was moving on the backside of us and then. We start getting spot fires 
and um, embers of fire were dropping and starting new fires in these in this uh, in these small little little you know neighborhoods that we were in and um <clears throat> we uh we knew that time was running short and so we're continuing to try to evacuate people um but the spot fires keep coming and then here now now the fires here and we still have not cleared multiple driveways multiple areas um so now now the pressure's on and um you know um at this stage honestly um it was uh it wasn't uh, it wasn't extreme yet but we're driving through we're driving through areas uh we're driving through flames we're we're waiting till the flames subside and then we're, we're cutting through there and and we're still hitting houses um and uh, I think we're doing a really good job. My crew actually uh, started to become this um, functioning machine that was absolutely amazing to watch. And, and what I mean by that is we would pull into a house, we would knock on the door, and uh, a pissed off grandma would answer the door. This is real. She'd be in her moo, you know, <laughs> and she, her first words out of her mouth were, you know, basically, son, what the hell are you doing here? And then she'd stop in the smoke and she'd see it. Well, she was in bed. And uh, before you know it, that garage door is going up. My guys are pulling the vehicle out, turning it around, putting it back in the garage, popping the trunk. I mean, because we've we've now done multiple houses and they are just they're going in and, and they're just pulling things off the walls and everything's going great. Well, there was this one just amazing older lady. And uh, we go into her house, and she's completely frightened. And we go into the kitchen, and uh, she's frazzled. And I go, uh, ma'am, do you have any uh, medications? And she goes, oh, yeah, yes, yes, I do. She brings me into the kitchen, and she reaches up, and she grabs – she opens the counter, and there's multiple medication bottles, and she grabs one. She looks at it and goes, yeah, I take this one, and I'm hearing in the background – Captain Novak, we got to go. We got to move. <laughs> and uh, I reach in. I grab a pot on the stove and I just go, <laughs> okay, do you have any jewelry? And she's like, I love jewelry. And I'm like, I know. <laughs> I know you do. Let's go get some jewelry. And uh, we go into a room and the power's out and I've got my flashlight. And uh, again, I'm hearing from the back. Novak, we've got to move. The car's running and loaded. And uh, we gather as much as possible as we can. And she stops and she looks at me. And she goes, son, I got to go potty. Oh. <laughs> and I'm like, mm, yep, this is, this is all working out good. <laughs> we have a lot of time for this. So I, <laughs> I pull my light off and I hand her the light. And she goes into the bathroom and I'm pacing like a madman. And I'm hearing now the guys are like, it is go time. And she comes out, and just a sweet thing, and we get her in the car, and then off she goes. And uh, it was like that. It was like that over and over, similar stories, similar times. So now, now I get into the Reebley area. And I'm bracing the fire as we're doing this. So when we get into the Reebley area, the fire is absolutely at 
what I feel to be its worst. <clears throat> um, we go in and start doing some evacuations, and now it's time to leave the Reebley area. It is to that point. And uh, I parked the engine at this corner right there at Reebley and Mark West, and um, I'm outside, and the wind is coming, and it is embers are flying, and it's hard to see. And, you know, you've got this snot pouring out your nose because your eyes are so irritated. And um, I look over, and we're about, to, we're about to go. We're about to leave. I look over, and I see this, this white car with this woman standing out outside of her car with her hands frantically moving in the air, and she looks like she's trying to hold her phone and, and get a signal. And uh, there's fewer cars because they're all leaving because it's bad. And I drive, I, I said, uh, uh, Brandon, I was like, hey, let's go over there real quick. So we pull up and I hop out and I walk up. And uh, this woman is frantically uh, trying to get on her phone. And she looks at me and just all she says is, uh, I don't know where my husband is. And I don't know where my mom and dad are. And I look at the back seat and there's this young um, girl. All she has is a towel on. It is obvious that that is all she had to grab. And uh, I said, okay, where's, where's the address of, uh, of your parents? And she says, she gives me the address. And um, she says, um, my husband's in another, uh, another car. And then my mom and dad are in another car. And we all left at the same time. But she got cut off. I said, okay, you, um, you need to go. You need to go to Santa Rosa, and um, we'll, uh, we'll get everyone out. And uh, she got in the car and left, and then I went up the road towards this address, and uh, it, was, uh, it was rough. It was hot. There was, uh, there was power lines everywhere, and again, you know, Brandon just navigated so well through there. We came across this uh, power line and this pole down, and on the back side of it was a, a, a vehicle. And um, I jump out, and we have to move the power pole so uh, this uh, gentleman can drive out. Well, as I approached, he says, I don't know where my wife is. I don't know where my daughter is. I don't know where my parents are. And I'm like, all right. Your wife is blonde, your daughter is young, they drive a white car, and he said yes. And I said, okay, I just met with them. They're on their way to Santa Rosa. That's where you're going. You're going to tie in with them. We're going to go get your parents. And uh, he said, uh, okay, I'm out. I'll do that. Thank you very much. And I say, you know what, hold on. I want to give you my cell phone. I'm going to give you my cell phone number. And I, I would like for you to just close the loop with me when you find your parents. Because that's what I'm thinking. I really am. I'm thinking they're, they're down already. They're good. And I just want to, I just want to uh, want to close the loop that they're out. So 
I'm gonna still gonna continue on to, to this address. He says thank you and takes off. And uh, <clears throat> we start towards this uh, address where um, you know mom and dad are supposed to be. And um, it starts to become uh, it starts to become impassable. It uh, we are the only unit in this area. I know we are. It's starting to heat up in the cab. I'm starting to feel the tension in the engine from the other guys. But we keep pushing. We get to a spot where um, it's absolutely, uh, it's impassable. And I'm frustrated because I said, I'll, uh, we'll get your parents, right? So we, uh, we backtrack and I try to find another road. And again, I run into the same problems and, uh, I decide to push it a little. And I remember I looked over and I looked at my mirror on the engine and, uh, it started to off gas, which means, uh, it's taking a lot of heat. It's starting to smoke and it's literally starting to melt and the cab is extremely hot. And, uh, and then I, you know, <clears throat> Mariah, you asked a question. Hey, did you call your family? Yeah. To, uh, she asked. And it was actually right in that area where I was like, man, I didn't spend enough time with them real quick. Thank you for listening to this episode of People Doing Good Podcast. Please click on episode two as we continue this story, as well as others, from the tragic October wildfires. If you know somebody who's doing good in our community, please contact us at peopledoinggoodpodcast at gmail.com.